The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sneakers and cleats. The podcast. Welcome back to the Sushi Cleats podcast. This is Monday after Thanksgiving, long weekend, uh, November 27th. This is our 53rd episode. I typed out that this is High School Hype Squad, but it's not. This is our welcome back. Uh, Don, how was your long weekend? Oh, Matt, if I only had time to tell you about my week. Wasn't it fun? You get a, you got a, little, heart time you got a little time off. Two heart attacks, father-in-law and father. <laughs> Two surgeries oh, with Jesus. multiple stents for both. Mom fell on her face. <laughs> uh, it has been uh, a lot of time at the hospital, but you know what? I am so thankful that they're all in their 80s and they're all still with us. Yeah. And everybody, as of this moment, is doing good. <laughs> this time last week, not give so much. It, <laughs> give it 30 minutes and I'll get a call. Somebody's done something, but... Yeah, it's been eventful. It's been a, a lot of stress. Well, hopefully things are a little bit better now. But you, thank you for uh, taking over the News 4 Sports Department while I was out <laughs> yeah. and handling everything during the holidays. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a long week, but it was uh, well worth it. We had a lot going on last week. Last Friday was one Man. of the busiest days I've had in the sports industry in a really, really long time with yep. Texas and UTSA both playing on a Friday. All the high school football that we had on a Friday. It was a busy, busy day. But. Aggies news, Spurs news, yep. high school football playoffs. Yeah, There's... just when you just when you think like, all right, the Spurs aren't going to be too eventful, you have Pops telling everyone to shut up. So it's, it made everything Oh, eventful. yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that, huh? Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. So anyway, number 53, uh, the ones I had on, uh, Harry Carson, Don Drysdale. Good uh, ones. Anybody else come to mind oh, for 53? Oh, yes, Matthew. No. <laughs> two great Spurs. Uh, I'll give you a little history lesson. As you, as, uh, that's why you're here. I, Mark Olberding, the dinger, one of the Bruce brothers, played forward for the Spurs in the mid-70s, late-70s, into the early 80s, came into the NBA at the age of 19. One of the Back in those days, it was unheard of. But he got a hardship out of University of Minnesota after his freshman year, came into the ABA, which allowed hardships. The NBA did not. Played in the ABA and was one of the original protectors of George Gervin. He... He was a big, solid, 6'9", strong man, banged everybody around. Spurs traded him in 1982 to the Chicago Bulls for artist Gilmore, who also wore 53. So they're both in Spurs history as number 53 because they were traded for each other, so artists didn't have to change his number. Artists is in the Hall of Fame, so. You know, you, you don't see 53 much anymore. No. So it's a good thing you know, you know. uh Stuff that I would never even think of. Now. Artist Gilmore, NBA <laughs> Hall of Famer, wore 53 with the Bulls and with the Spurs. Well, there you go. A little history lesson for everybody. On and this with Monday. the Kentucky Colonels, where he won an ABA championship. Kentucky Colonels. Um, so we got a lot going on. Texas A&M finally hired a head coach who might uh, end up being the same as their old one. Mike Elko, um, who worked as a defensive coordinator for uh under Jimbo Fisher for I believe four years they went 34 and four or 34 and 14 during that tenure CJ Stroud and the Texans continuing to dazzle despite losing yesterday CJ Stroud is phenomenal the Cowboys played with their food on Thanksgiving literally 
Um, and yeah. the Roadrunners lost to Tulane, ending their season with a whimper instead of a splash. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit as well as Coach Trailer's um, potential job prospects if he's staying going, what, whatever the case may be. But got to start with uh, our Spurs insider here. Going to start with Popovich. Um, so if you, in case you didn't see it by now, five days ago, last Wednesday, during the uh, Clippers game here, it was the second game in three nights uh, that the Clippers had been visiting the San Antonio Spurs in the second quarter. Kawhi Leonard up shooting free throws. I think it doesn't matter if he made or missed the first one, but on – Coming into his second free throw, the crowd is booing him relentlessly, as they have for the past five or six years. And um, sure enough, Coach Pop grabs the mic and says, "Excuse me, can we please or can we stop booing? It's classless. It's not who we are. Stop with the booing." And so, it kind of caught everyone by surprise. I was sitting here watching the broadcast, um, and I like I turned around. I was like, "Is that Pop on the mic?" Like yeah. I. I turned around to look at the game for a second and like it just took everyone by surprise. And sure enough, on social after the game, he is getting obliterated by fans and pundits everywhere saying that um, the fans paid money to come to the game. They pay your salary. They pay the player salaries like they should get to boo if they want to boo. Uh, sure enough, after the game, he says, you don't poke the bear. And then on Friday, he gave a little bit more of an explanation as to why and because it was ugly booing and all that stuff. But um, my initial thought was like, that was odd. Yeah, it was. And let me preface my statement by saying, first of all, I am, I default, my default is agreeing with pop on most things because I think he's very wise and I think he's wiser than most fans. And I think most of the criticism of coach pop comes from a deeper place. Most of the time that it's mostly people who disagree with his politics who are trying to turn it into basketball. Uh, and so I think you'll find that a lot of times the the deeper meaning of the people that hate Pop, it's not because he's not playing Wimby at the five or whatever. But I think he overstepped here, and I'll tell you why. It is who we are. From the very first game I ever went to at the Hemisphere Arena, the baseline bums were known as the rowdiest fans in the ABA slash NBA. They made signs. They threw things. And their job was to harass the other team as they came right out of their locker room. Their little perch was right above the visitor's locker room. San Antonio has had always loud, boisterous fans that were, in those days, we used to call them Joe Sixpack. Common fans used to be able to afford to go to games. Blue-collar workers used to be able to afford to go to games. Not the case anymore. But San Antonio was that everyday Cleveland Brown, dog pound type of fan. Right. So it is who we are. We've always booed. I think I agree with the fact that the fans pay – Pops $16 million a year salary and that they should be allowed to, to boo. I think he's correct in that it's not necessarily classy. Um, and I think his bigger point was that it's different. It's become different than normal booing. And it's a, it's a, it's a product of our society today where everybody hates things and hates each other. And he felt that it was a more venomous hateful tone than normal booing. So I get why he did it. 
he's protecting a guy that he's friends with, that he knows that he, you know, for all the wrong that Kawhi did, I think Pop maybe has forgiven him where we haven't and shouldn't. Um, so I get what he did. Two things can be true. It can be no class and it can be, you know, ugly, but it can also be the fans right. Here's what I think the difference is when it comes to the classiness of it. It's not like it was what happened in Madison Square Garden last year or two years ago when they were saying F you to Trey Young right. and they were chanting that. It wasn't to that level from right. what I saw ex- from the exterior. Now, were fans saying that? I don't know. But he didn't say stop cussing out uh, Kawhi Leonard. He said stop booing. Because, he, and booing, booing is like – booing's the one way – acceptable way in society that you can that you can make your voice known as a fan to an opposing player or to your own or to your own exactly like, if, if your team's not not performing well you can philly, be booed off the court philly fans have booed off every single player that has ever played for them you don't go for it on fourth and one and you run out the field goal kicker boo we want it, you to go for exactly it. and i think that like when you tell the fans to stop booing and some something that is seemingly as harmless as booing it's like what the hell are you really doing here? It's entitlement. It's entitlement, and I, like I said, I think he overstepped. And I love Pop, and I, I think that a lot of the criticism that he gets about he's too old, the game's passing by, I think that's nonsense. Yep. I think the Spurs are better with, better with him and coaching the team. But in this instance, I think he overstepped. Yeah, and I don't think, like, he obviously doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks about why he did it. Like right. he was asked that question on Friday before the of game. Of course, he was like, he's like, "Do you regret it?" He's like, "Absolutely not." Like See, it's not who we are. It's the emblematic of the way society is right now, full of hate and blah 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 blah. And it's just like, no, he doesn't regret it. But also, he cannot regret it, and he can still be wrong for doing it. Correct. It's, it's, both things can be true. And, and we've seen this done by by Coach K and by Dean Smith and by uh, other people in the college game where this. Students have pretty creative chants sometimes that it may be mean-spirited or even really cross the line. And the coach will go grab the microphone and say, hey, knock off that chant. Yeah. That's not who we are. That's normal. Show some class. He's talking to college kids mm-hmm. who are in there without paying admission, certainly not paying his salary. Um, so I can see how fans got automatically quickly defensive like I pay my money, I can boo. Also, I think that if he had the fr- the explanation that he had on Friday, if he had that after the game, it wouldn't have been as bad. But when you come out and you get testy with reporters asking you why you did it, and you say you don't poke the bear, and then you're like, "Can you expand on that?" No, I just said it. I spoke English. Yeah, so you don't poke the bear. He's got a point there. Now that's the one point well, that he did. I don't have. think that's actually a good point though, because. You have a hundred thousand fans in in Kansas City who poke the bear every single day and make a difference in the game. When your fans' home field advantage there is to their job is to try and make a difference in the game. You're booing Kawhi Leonard at the free throw line, hoping that he misses the free throw. Well, Pop Pop argued both press conferences. Didn't say much the first one, but the next night, he said, "You're just giving Kawhi Leonard gas on the fire to kill us even more." But isn't that kind of weak? Like I see that it's it's a little weak. It's like. Don't boo him. We don't want him to hurt us anymore. Please stop. Yeah. Like that's a little weak. Yeah, I get it. But I, that's just that was just my feelings. I, I but initially I heard him. I heard it happen on the broadcast. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. What? What did he really just do that? It was big news. It was odd. It was just it was just an odd thing to do. It yeah. was just like it might not have been out of character for Pop because he 
very rarely holds his tongue or bites his tongue when it comes to anything Never about done politi- that before. politics or whatever he wants to talk about. He just goes for it, and he has every right to do it um, because I'm not one of those stick-to-sports people, but it was just – it was a weird, weird scenario. I feel like – I just feel like it – You know, it, he did that. He did that one other time. And again, let me say, I love Pop for his activism – I love what he's done for social justice. I've loved how he's educated not only his players, but the public on some of the issues that his players have faced in their lifetimes when it comes to race. Um, I don't always agree with everything that he says politically, but there was one other time where he was going to die on this hill. Like when he went after guns and stuff, I was like, this is a guy who is voicing his opinion, whether you agree with him or not, or not, he is doing this because he feels in his heart that he can make a difference for good. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you can disagree with him on the gun thing. I'm not, I'm not saying agree or disagree. I'm saying the guy was using his platform for his mind to do good. But there was a time where he went off on the Alamo Heights school district for observing Columbus day. Yeah. Right. Which is okay. That's an issue. Right. I mean, yeah, okay. Depends, depending on who you ask, but yeah. Right. Whatever. Like, do you really want to, like, if you're going to, if you're going to really impact guns <laughs> or impact something, you know, racial justice, doesn't getting all. Yeah upset about Columbus Day being observed by a school district doesn't that diminish it's like pick your battles yeah it's yeah it's like it's a weird hill to die on like obviously yeah. indigenous people's day is what they call it in a lot of states yeah. now cuz just cuz of the but yeah that's a weird hill to die on i think you're i think you're right yeah um let's move on to the aggies so texas a&m um <laughs> when i left here <laughs> bob stoops <laughs> or uh Mark, Mark Stoops, Stoops was the was the head coach and get in in waiting. Saturday morning, Pete Thamel on uh, I think it was Fox, the Fox broadcaster, maybe it was ESPN. I forget who he works for. Um, he was like, Mark Stoops is going to be going to come out and be the front runner within the next twenty four hours. Take or keep your eye out for that. Twenty four hours later, Mark Stoops is going to be the next head coach of A and M, and then the next day he comes out and says, "No, um, I love it at Kentucky." And then they hire Mike Elko. No. So. Um, I think I, everyone can look at that and decipher that as Bjork wanted uh, Mark Stoops yep. and then the people who were going to pay the contract and just paid $76 million to get Jimbo out of there were like, mm, I actually don't think that that's who you want to hire. And then he was like, how about Mike Elko? And they were like, now nah, you got it, buddy. Good job. That's exactly what I tweeted out. <laughs> I said, uh, 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 Texas Board of Director, uh, Board of Regents, Ross Bjork has complete power to hire who he wants at his discretion, <laughs> unimpeded. And then Bjork says, Mark Stoops, bored. <coughs> El- uh, Bjork, Elko? Yeah, exactly. There- this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. 
the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's exactly what happened. You, you got it, boy. Good job. Yeah, like. Which is, by the way, the right hire. Is it? And Well, Jeff Trailer was the right hire. But, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, Elko has been there. He knows the culture. It's very unique. It's very if 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 you're an Aggie, you know what it's what it is. He knows the twelfth man. He knows all the chants. He knows all the <laughs> all the stuff, right? And he's got skins on the wall. He was there. He went to Duke. Was successful. And so when they announced Stoops, or when Billy Lucci leaked Stoops because he's getting his info from Bjork. And Bjork's basically telling him, I'm hiring in this guy with board approval. And the Aggie Twitter went ballistic the other way. The board went, no, we're not. Well, no one, yeah, the, everyone on, on social media was like, you're not hiring Mark Stoops. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. A- after that got leaked. Yeah. Is the safe hire, uh, you know, Stoops may have been great. I don't know. Trailer was going to be great, but it's the safe hire. See, here's the thing that I don't understand is when they fired Jimbo, who was there for six years, they didn't want they didn't want the safe thing. They wanted to get away from Jimbo. They wanted to get away from his Jimbo isms. They wanted to get away from that kind of um, they wanted to get away from his style. And then you go hire a disciple. You well, I don't know that, that he's worked. a disciple. Well, he, he worked disciple there. might not be the right word, but you hire someone who worked with Jimbo for the first four years that he was there. Like, yes, he knows the system. Yes, he knows Aggieland. Yes, he knows all these things. He knows the chance, whatever. But he still worked with Jimbo, who you just couldn't get out of town fast enough. Who right. You're still paying for the next eight years. But what I've learned with college football is offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, head coaches often work in silos without agreeing with each other at all. And – you can have a completely different uh, philosophy and be working for a head coach. I think what he did at Duke was show that he's organized and disciplined and is a disciplinarian, which the, the inmates were running the asylum at A&M. With Jimbo's, there's a great article in The Athletic with lots of sourcing from inside the program about what Jimbo allowed, how Jimbo was – how he recruited – how he saw recruiting staffs, how he saw staff members. His ego was totally out of control. He was disconnected from a lot of different people. Um, Elko seems to be more trailer-like as far as the organizational skills to run the entire program, not to mention a very good defensive mind. So uh, he can be different than Jimbo. I don't I don't think he was a Jimbo disciple. I don't I don't know that he came up under Jimbo as a GA and had all the same philosophies with offense and all that. I think he just happened to be a hired gun to run the defense for a couple of years. But it seems like one of those hires where you you're floating out all these huge names. Ryan Days, the Urban Myers, the 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 Kyle Whittingham's from Utah, yeah. like you're the the Dan Dan Lanning's. But Elko fl- was there from day one. His name was there from day one. Yeah, because of the connection through yeah. Jimbo. But yeah. that like that's I just don't understand the hire when you're trying to get away from the guy that you say was the status quo and you were stuck in neutral and all these things, and you hire someone that worked under him just three years ago. I know, but ago. we don't know that in the interview, Elko go when I was here, I loved Aggie Land, I loved the Aggies, but I worked for this guy who was nuts. You know, that's why I left. 
I went to do, you know, he could have disagreed with a lot. I mean, he could have, but like, it just, exterior, from the outside, it seems odd. It, seem, it seems like a weird hire when you're trying to distance yourself from the Jimbo era right now. And you're you're trying to get out of neutral and you have, and you're hiring a guy from Duke who went nine and four last season, had a very disappointing season this year and seems to be one of the neutral coaches. I don't again. know. I think the Aggies see it. He's one of us. That's why there was that outrage. Mark Stoops, he's not one of us. His brother's Bob Stoops from Oklahoma. He used to kick our butt. Yes, I'm, that's fair. But Mark Stoops was was the right hire, in my opinion. Hmm. I, I I love Mark Stoops. He he has done so much with that Kentucky program. Kentucky used to suck. Yeah. Kentucky used to be just a doormat for everybody. L- and look at him now. You know who A&M hired from Kentucky? Hmm. Bear Bryant. As you, <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't know that? As you eat your pretzels. <laughs> you love those it's lunchtime Dots man. pretzels. Love Dots pretzels. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get to UTSA. So um, UTSA lost to Tulane. Uh, I put on here, it's one of their ugliest games I've seen from them in a really long time. Um, they couldn't get out of their own way. They come out first, uh, second play of the game, I think, was a tipped interception. Frank seen that had, before. Yep, second drive of the game, another interception. This one, not Frank's fault. Or this one was Frank's fault. The first one, not Frank's fault. Uh, third possession of the game, they go down and score, and you're like, okay, they got some momentum going. They take the lead, I think, 10-7, to 7, and then it all just went to shit, crap. It, well, <laughs> I to, mean, they turn the ball over five times in a game. You can't beat anybody in a game no. lose, or turn the ball over five times, let alone Tulane, who's the 23rd best team in the country. Here's I watched the entire game, and my takeaway was, wow, UTSA really is for real. Like, like they belong. They completely gave this game away. We're still competitive despite all these turnovers in the red zone. Had one or two things gone right for them. What I mean is their athletes matched up physically with Tulane's athletes. Yes, I came away from that as well. Um, I think I tweeted it out right after the game. I will continue to my dying day of forever say that I think the UTSA is a better team than Tulane is. Had they played their best game. Had they played even their middle game. Had they had they played a B Had they a not B played their game. worst game. They yeah. would have been they would have that would, they would have been in that game all the way. They still were. Yeah. They, they still, still were. were. They had every single opportunity to win that game. And there everyone fumbles and they, inside the red they, zone. Yeah. You get a 46 your 36 yard run from Kavorian Barnes, and then Robert Henry comes back for a double pass, runs it up the middle to the 10 yard line, and sure enough, Robert Henry fumbles. And you're just like, what the hell else? What can go was wrong? Oscar doing on that fourth? Oh my God. Down? Well, <laughs> well hey, first, Mr. Tight End. <laughs> yeah, go throw it. Into triple coverage. <laughs> was it like fourth and four? But here's the thing a fake punt. You're giving it to Oscar Cardenas? I, I was going, man, in my head, I was going, this is a great spot on the field and a great time to fake here. But I was thinking they'd snap it to the up back and run it straight ahead. Not to Oscar. That not Oscar would attempt that throw. Not to your 290-pound oh, tight end. Oh, my goodness. But that's another example. So uh, uh, that's a sixth turnover in reality. And even when that happened, the defense got him off the field. The defense was great. In the in the highlight that I was doing on, on four, it was like, Turnover. Then the defense forces another punt, and now the UTSA is in the red zone again. And sure enough, it's fourth and four, incomplete. Then the defense forces another punt, and they have another opportunity. The defense like, was fantastic. The defense was great. All defense the was fantastic, and the offense knows they didn't play their best game. But the takeaway for me is this Tulane team beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, and then their only loss since is to Ole Miss, which means 
Tulane's very good. I mean, they're they're a good uh, group of five team for sure, right? And could probably compete in some Power Five conferences at the lower. I mean, yeah, they'll probably make another uh, New Year Six bowl. This okay, year, this year. so UTSA's there. Like this is no longer a, a North Texas or a Texas State or a UAB. U, UTSA Jeff Trailer has accumulated the athletes that can play with the big boys. They just happened to wet the bed that day. Yeah, your North. Speaking of North Texas, they had a hell of a win against UAB. Um, Go Mean Green. <laughs> you see that game? They came back from fourteen down. Yeah, it was a hell of a game. Um, I just. It was so it was so disheartening seeing it because yeah. you went into it. I think we all went into it thinking UTSA was going to win, and at the very least, they were going to be competitive throughout the game. And they were competitive, but they were competitive because, despite their or in spite of their offense. Not the other thing that I take away from that game and for a lot of games now, I think back about it is they don't play great in cold weather outside, which is not good for December. Correct. <laughs> the North Texas game a couple years ago. Uh, the bowl games, the uh, I went to that one that was up in Dallas, um, where they played San Diego State. They just seemed to be comfortable in air conditioning and on turf. And I don't know if that's Frank or if that's the whole offense, but they were banged up. They were losing receivers left and right. McQuinn McEwen got hurt. Tyke got hurt. I hope they all get healthy and, and do represent well. Look, the one thing that Frank has not done, the only thing he has not done is win a bowl game. I would love to see him go out with a bowl win. Yeah, me too. Um, speaking of, do you think, now that the season's over, they finish 8-4, and four, it's going to be end up being third in the conference, which is very rep, respectable and representative um, of, of how good in, this team one. is in year one of the yeah. ACC. I mean, it's it's phenomenal that they turn their season around after how badly it started at one and three. Seven, to break off seven straight wins, lose what was a de facto championship game, finish eight and four. Still, I mean, hats off to them. Like, yeah, very, sure. very good season uh, in the first one of the AAC. That being said. You remember period, I picked them to go eight and four at the beginning of this podcast. You also picked Florida State to make the uh, CFB, and that's looking really uh, tenuous, at be, uh, tenuous at best right but now. Possible. After, after they lose Jordan Travis, but yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. But preseason, they were like number 10 in the country. I mean, I'm not. I'm giving you credit right now. I'm just saying that's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I picked Ohio State, so that's sad. Anyway, so now period, exclamation point, whatever you want to put it. That's end of sentence. New sentence. Is Jeff Trailer going to be the head coach of this team next year? I believe he is, and I believe he is because Arkansas stuck with Sam Pittman, Baylor stuck with stuck with Dave Aranda, and I don't think he wants Houston. I think he could have had or can have Houston now, and I think he could have had Baylor or Arkansas. Let's put it this way. I think he was the first call for both of those programs. I had heard he was. Uh, and I think he has been called by Houston. I think it's his job for the taking if he wants it. I don't think he wants it, but I do think UTSA needs to move in a really quick manner to make sure he has the resources he needs not to take it. Yeah, and I was telling, like I was telling you before, and I think I put this on Twitter as well. Is it's, it's a lateral move to me. I mean, going from here to Houston, all you're getting is a big, bigger budget. Like football wise, well, I you're mean, moving you're, to a power you're, five. You're in the Big Twelve, yes, but you're literally like the scrap heap of whatever the big 12 is left. You know what I mean? You're yeah. now without Texas. You're without Oklahoma. I mean, you still, 
ASU is going to be there, so they're obviously a great. One source told me that, that it, not being a Power Five coach is what cost him a, not getting A and M, and that big time programs like A and M and Texas and whoever would want to see. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Somebody succeed at the Power 5 level. Not always. You know, Kansas State and Kansas both hired Leopold and Kleinman from smaller programs. Uh, but he might need a Power 5 job, a Baylor job, a Houston job, before he could ever get... The A and M type job. I think there's a difference though between Baylor and Houston. You know what I mean? Like, I like if he if he stayed at UTSA this year and Dave Aranda has a bad year again and Baylor comes open, I would see him taking the Baylor job over taking a Houston yeah. job because just the pedigree is higher, the, the budget there is even more than it is at Houston. You have you kind of have. I don't know though, but the, uh, Tillman Fertitta is like you know Phil Knight at Oregon. I mean, he funds everything in Houston. He's done a great job funding the basketball program. He gives them any, yeah, anything great. they want, you know, new arenas, whatever. It only takes one billionaire with deep pockets to make your program really good, especially in this day and age of NIL. That's true. We need one here in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, I, For the record, I think he'll be back next year. Um, I do too. I think that there's that, especially after the way, if Tulane, if they beat Tulane, I think that he was gone, as good as gone. But I think now that they lost Tulane, he has unfinished business that he wants to take care of next year. And I think that he might want to um, – that he cares enough about the program, cares enough about the kids in the program, that um, he would want to come back and make sure that like the post-Frank era is going to be okay. Look, he loves it here. His wife loves it here. He's made comments before publicly that he can't spend the money that UTSA pays him anyway. Um He's told me he was surprised to make 150 grand in Gilmer back in the day coaching mm-hmm. high school ball. He's he's not about money. I do think this though. I think he wants to stay here and that he would in that he will stay here if he feels that UTSA can compete. And I did a commentary about it last week. UTSA needs more than just the 2 million dollar donation from a Harvey Najem or another gracious donor. They need long-term, committed, institutional funding to build things like the indoor practice facility, to help with NIL. They need to find money. They have it. Well, and to keep and to not keep harping on this, but it's hard to do that when your students are telling you they don't want to pay more. It's not the students. It, they the should. Student, well, the students just turn down a, 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 yeah. a very gradual. Small Good for the increase. students. Good for the students. The students should not be funding this. Jeff Trailer should not be out having to to raise money from April Ansira and Bob Wills and all these people. The school. Do you think 
Do you think Jimbo Fisher gave one second to fundraising? No, they said, here's all the money you ever need. Because people in development office, people in the marketing department, people in the university. I read something. I got an email, uh, spam mail from from the president's office at UTSA saying, we got $350 million committed to this downtown project, $700 million part of a greater thing. Okay. Bill, that's a billion dollars. You can't give ten more million a year to football. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And okay, if it doesn't make financial sense, look, I'm not a genius. I, I don't know how that. I'm not telling UTSA how to spend their money, but just don't tell me that the football is the front porch of the university. If you're going to make it the doormat, <laughs> if it's the front porch, then then put your money where your mouth is. Give them a deck. Give them a give. A, get a yeah. roof on that porch. Do something. Uh, let's get to, we are only going to have time for Cowboys or CJ Shroud. Which one do you want to do? Cowboys. All right. It's Cowboys. So, uh, just my CJ Stroud take. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, I agree. That's real quick. Uh, Cowboys are the best team in the AFC or the NFC. Excuse me. Truth or true or false. False. The Eagles are. And they showed it to me the other day when, uh, last night they, when they, they beat, beat the Bills. That was impressive. They, they got a clutch gene that the Cowboys don't have. That's fair. Or that uh, they haven't shown yet. Okay. Are the Niners not better than them? Yeah, the Niners are better than the Cowboys. Are the Niners better than the Eagles? We'll see this weekend. but Sure. I don't care. Those two are ahead of Dallas. So false. The uh, Cowboys are not the best team in the NFC. Are they? Are the Cowboys a top three team in the NFC? Are they better, sure. Are they better than the Lions? Equal. Okay. Did they show you enough? They have. Okay. Here's they the question. feast on the week. Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. Like, they literally ate turkey legs during the game <laughs> on Thursday. Like that was all good and fun, but have they beaten a team all year with a, with a winning record? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, give me ten seconds. I'll I'll look up their schedule. But I don't. I really don't think they have. I don't think they've beaten a team with a winning record. What did you think of the game on Thursday? I mean, it was kind of close there for a, it was close there for a little while, and then the, the onslaught of of the Cowboys just always seems to happen. Dude, in the, my in one takeaway quarter. is always going to be Deron Bland. That is just that kid awesome, is phenomenal, awesome, fun to watch. But yeah, they, it, it wasn't impressive because every team they beat seems to be like in disarray, like fighting on the sidelines, right. wanting to fire their coach. <laughs> they did fire their coach. They fired Jack Del Rio right after the game. Yeah, the defensive did, coordinator. Yeah, they fired him. Uh, they fired the defensive backs coach. They fired a lot of people. Yeah. Um, they have beat this season. The Giants suck. They beat the Jets. They lost to the Cardinals. They beat the Patriots. Got their asses kicked by the Cowboys. Wait, wait. The Patriots have a losing record. Yes. Okay. Uh, they have beat nobody with a winning record. They have beat in this season the Commanders, the Panthers, who are the worst team in the NFL, the Giants, who are probably close, the Rams, who are eh, they're okay. Are they five hundred? They are almost five hundred. They're not five hundred yet. I think they're five and eleven or five and six. Excuse me. Uh, they've beat the Chargers, who suck. They've beat the Patriots, who suck. They beat the Jets, who suck, and they beat the Giants, who suck. And they've lost to the Eagles. And they lost to the Eagles, the, the, Niners. the Niners, and the Cardinals, who suck. And the, <laughs> who the suck. Cardinals. <laughs> they're a little better now. Well, let's be fair but to they, the Cowboys, though. They're, they're only beating the teams that are in front. They're of beating them. the teams in front of them. But when you see, when you see, because uh, I agree with you, I think that the Eagles or the Niners, you you can flip a coin. For yeah, me. I don't care. 
one of those two teams is the best in the NFC, and we're going to find out who it is. But with, as, actually, the Niners are two and a half point favorites in Philly this weekend, which is kind of interesting. That'll be fun. That'll be a really fun game. I think that's a Sunday afternoon game. But anyway, so can they flex those yet? They can. They didn't this weekend though. I ought to flex that to Sunday night. Yeah, they should have. Because I had a great temple for that. Um, the the difference that I see between the Cowboys and the and the and the Eagles is the Eagles' last few games have been win against the Bills, win against the Cowboys a few weeks ago, and then last week beat the beat the Chiefs. They've been down at halftime four straight weeks and have just found ways to win. And we said going three weeks ago, well, look out, the Eagles are getting ready to lose because yeah. their schedule's getting really three tough. Yeah. Three and zero last three weeks. Now they got the Niners, then they got the Cowboys, and then their schedule's a cakewalk. So either way, they come across with two losses. They're going to be tied with the Cowboys. Yeah, and then it comes down and to division record. Down, yeah, division record and then conference record. But yeah. the Cowboys are a better team than, or the Eagles are a better team than the Cowboys. Absolutely. That's that's I think goes without question. They've absolutely better, they have a better quarterback. They have better weapons. They have a better offensive line. And in the snow in January yeah. in a NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. Who's going to come through in the clutch? Hurts or Dak? Well, the problem is, I think that the Cowboys can make... I think the Cowboys can beat the Eagles. They match up well against the Eagles. So if they play the Cowboys, or if the Eagles in the Cowboys play in the conference championship or whatever, I think the Cowboys actually have a shot in the in game. In Philadelphia. Where I don't think that the Cowboys have a chance is anywhere that the Niners are. Yeah. Like, even at home. Even at home. Like, the Niners are good... The Niners will destroy the Cowboys any time that they play. That's just how it's going to go. That's that's. Well, then they I'm, may may not make the championship. No, game. they won't because if, let's say that the Cowboys are a three seed or yeah. four seed or whatever. They're not going to play the Eagles. They're going to end up playing the two seed, which is going to be the Niners. A lot of football to be played well, between now and then. A lot of football to be played, but it's just like it was. It was. It, I, I I'm not learning anything about the Cowboys anymore. No, and until they play a good team, I'm not learning anything at all. Uh, real quick, did how would. You, you, did you think that the turkey leg celebration was like one of the best on, on Thanksgiving? Or yeah, it was it was it was inventive. It was I worried about salmonella. <laughs> that turkey leg had been in there for a long. No, time. it hadn't been in there that long. Really? Yeah. Apparently, Dak said that they that they had someone put it in there like late third quarter. Okay. So it, out of the refrigerator. Yeah. Okay. Because apparently, Jack went in there. Our photog Jack looked in the in the Bucket. kettle before the game, and it wasn't in there. Okay. It was wrapped in foil, which it was, was nice. Yeah, maybe it was heated up. Yeah. Maybe it was just a cold turkey leg. <laughs> like, it was kind yeah. of a fun celebration. Did you see uh, how everyone talked about it afterwards? They were yeah. all they were all like, apparently McCarthy was like, you can do it, but if we do it, the game better be done. Yeah. Like, the game better and be Dak waited well one more touchdown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason they got that touchdown to Monte. It was because they were like, well, we have to do the celebration. In hindsight, they could have waited till Deron Bland's pig. Yeah, let's spend. We're a little over on time already, but let's just spend two minutes real quick. Deron Bland, first team All Pro, first team All Pro. He's going to be maybe Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. He is a superstar. Superstar. 
And he's better than Trayvon Diggs. I agree. I agree because he's then just show up for the pick sixes. He he that's like third time he was targeted all day. Yeah, he's he stay away from him. He's unbelievable. He yeah. t- he is a fifth round pick who was playing in the shadow of Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore and just the slot guy at the beginning of the season. He, Trayvon Diggs goes down and then Teron Bland they haven't missed a beat. When when he picked it off and started his run back, I'm going to myself. He's got to get, he's got to score. He's got to score. He's got to get in. He can't get tackled. And and as I looked, I was like, nah, there's no way. You know, like there's three guys down there. He's going to get tackled. He willed himself in with a couple of cutbacks. Yeah, after the game when uh, Zach was getting the sound from Duran, he was like, I had to prove it to all my teammates that I could do it, like breaking some tackles because all of my other ones are too easy. He broke some tackles. <laughs> he broke some tackles. And he had a nice little setup where he, he slowed down and stuttered, and that threw the quarterback off a little bit, and then cut back on him, and then it's a quick cut back on the two guys. Yeah. How good of a call was that from Jim Nance, too? It was a great call great by Jim call Nance, by but Jim here's Nance. the thing that bothered me, right? As a broadcaster, Nance called it perfect, totally and then right. there should have been a layout for crowd noise, and yeah. Romo had to jump in with, and what a call by you, Jim! <laughs> I hate Tony sometimes. He just needed to be quiet. Yeah, Tony doesn't do that often. He always needs to interject. So I, what I was going to do is Nance though. Nance's call, like until like he crossed the goal line, from the time he intercepted it to the time he crossed perfect. the goal line, was phenomenal. This is historic. Yep. This is the record. If he he's, does, it. he's got to get there. He, he he. And then, if you edit it and just put crowd noise after he's done and cut Tony out, and then compare the two calls, it would have been so great if yeah. they just laid out. Because they also needed to go to. Because I don't think they did it. They went to a close up shot of Deron Bland. Uh, it's celebrating in the end zone. They, I love when they're doing NBA games and someone hits a huge three and Mike Breen says bang and they do the zoom out to see the entire arena uh, just chanting, going wild. I love when like something huge happens and they do that zoom out. I wish that they did that with the Cowboys game. It's like as soon as he crosses the goal line, do the zoom out, see everybody going crazy on the yeah. sidelines and stuff. If you go back and look at um, – we'll just take uh, game six, for example, and it's uh, Mookie Wilson and it's the – there's a slow roller up the line. It gets through Buckner. Who Ray, uh, what? What was his name? Third base. I don't know. I try oh, to forget those games. The Mets, right? So As Ray, fan, Ray, whatever that. his last name is. Ray is going to score and the Mets win it. And then for a full 45 seconds, nothing. Well, that's what happened with the Kirk Gibson one. The crowd noise. The Kirk Gibson call in 87. Then that's Vin, too. Yeah, that was Vin. Well, Vin was just the king, so there's no, there's no, there's yeah. no better calls than Vin Scully in baseball. So, all right, Ray Knight, <laughs> Ray Knight, here uh, comes Knight. He's gonna score, and the Mets win it. And then silence for a minute. All right, we don't need to talk about crowd the, noise. We don't need to talk about the shut uh, up, Tony Romo. Red Sox losing anyway. Um, all right, that's all we got for you on this uh, Monday edition of the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. We will be back on Wednesday for a modified high school version of the uh, of the podcast because we are getting down to the nitty gritty. The Piper, I'm going to try and get the Piper Warriors uh, head coach, Coach Rogers, on because he. Story. Oh my God, they are phenomenal, and the way that he has battled through what he's battled through this year, it's just how about this? Unbelievable. Comal, three teams. Valley. That's ridiculous. Three teams: Davenport. Smith and Valley. Valley and Piper all in the regional finals. Unbelievable. In three in three separate divisions. It's the only school district in the state that has three people alive. It's, it's insane. For as small as that district is, too. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, 
All right, but anyway, that's all we got for you. We're going to be back on Wednesday. Until then, have a good week, and, um, you know, have some, have, some, have some leftovers from last week. <laughs>